Welcome to the House on Fire podcast. Our aim is to light a fire for Jesus in the homes of those who listen through encouragement and equipping. Let's partner together to advance the gospel in the next generation. I am your host, Lucas Jackson, and I am passionate about seeing more people on fire for Jesus. When you listen to the House on Fire podcast, you'll hear from people you can rub shoulders with every week at Bethel Church, because all of our guests are from our church family. These are people striving to love God, love others, and to serve the world. Chrissy, thanks for joining us today on this episode of the House on Fire podcast. So really, really excited to have you today. So Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And so let's just dive on in here. So tell us about yourself and your family. Um, so I am Christy Stroud. Uh, I've been married to Dan coming up on 12 years at the end of this month. Okay. Um, a little uh, background about Dan and I. We um, met after both of us had, um, we both had uh, went through divorces. Okay. And about a year later, uh, we met and started, he tried to start dating me, but. <laughs> <laughs> okay, he tried to start, I love he tried, it. He tried to start dating awesome. me. Uh, I was not, I was not ready at all. Okay. I was uh, absolutely in friend mode. <laughs> so, uh, Dan, I, I think it's just the sweetest. He, he told me that he would pray about it and he just was strongly feeling he was to be patient with me. And patience is probably the biggest word that travels through our entire marriage, our time with our kids. And yeah. I think it was just preparing us for what was coming. Yeah. Um, so anyway, what he had to do <laughs> in those two to three years, I just, uh, it's super sweet and it's why I love him. But he, we uh, trained actually for, a uh, 5k, a 10k, and a half marathon, and we ran those together. And I thought it was just so cool how God used that time uh, to bring us closer. Uh, we would talk about Him. We would talk about our faith and how it was growing, yeah. and just how our lives were changing, and how different we wanted things to be. We we had um, really had similar situations in our marriages beforehand, where I think we quickly got married not thinking about mm. what that really was meaning. Yeah. Um, and for me, you know, there was um, infidelity in my first marriage, and um, I needed Dan to know that about me and yeah. things that I just almost felt like I needed to – be so open with that with him because I needed that to never ever happen again. Yeah. Um, and just how we approached everything in our marriage that we're a team, uh, you can't get rid of me. <laughs> you know, this is till <laughs> death. I will yeah. not go through that again. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, uh, it, it was just such a, it was such a cool thing that God did, uh, did through us uh, in that time and um, 
it's cool how running can be such a such a cool time with the Lord. Yeah. It's a lot of quiet time. Uh, you have a lot of time to talk things out or just think things out. And um, before he started running with me, I, what was kind of cool was I never ran. Uh, you know, I was that kid in gym class that I walked the mile that they told you to walk. I couldn't <laughs> do awesome. it. I would run like the first block. So the gym yeah. teacher thought I was trying, oh, yeah. air oh, yeah. quotes, trying, but awesome. I, I walked that mile. And I, um, you know, when I was single, I would walk by myself and uh, pretty much I was crying and walking a lot. <laughs> but um, there was one day in particular, I was walking down uh, 40, 40, is it 45th Avenue <clears throat> and uh, 45th Street, whatever. Everyone knows where I'm talking about, but I'm walking yeah. down and um, all of a sudden I just felt like the Lord was telling me to run. Mm. And I thought, well, that is very weird because I don't run. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I just felt like, well, this has to be from the Lord because yeah. why would I run? This so is there was just weird. zero history before this. That you zero like history running. of running. Yeah, okay. I'm not a track star. There was nothing. It was weird. That's awesome. So I just started running. And as I was running, I just heard so clear, don't look behind. Don't look too far ahead. Mm. You just look right in front of you and I'm with you. Yeah. So I don't know if your wife told me, but I'm a crier. <laughs> She did not, but that's okay. That's okay. I'll try not to. I'll try to hold it together. But anyway, so, I started that. So you got that. into running. I started that. I got into running. And Dan happened to meet me in this moment yeah. of time. Like he met you for the first time and tr tried to start, start pursuing he, you yes. and all that. Okay. And it was kind of, well, do you want to train to do a 5K? <laughs> Had he Was he a runner at all? Well, here's the annoying thing about oh Dan. He, if he just decides he's going to do something, he'll just do it. Yeah. It's so annoying because, <laughs> you know, I have to struggle yeah. and he just does it. Um, and uh, Madeline, our daughter, she's my stepdaughter, but she is the same way. Like they'll just decide they're going to run three miles one day and run three miles where it takes me <laughs> like three, four months to, yeah. you know, to get up to that. That's um, awesome. But anyway, he decided that yes, he was going to do this with me and we started doing that. And then it just kind of been, well, for him, I'm sure it was, how can I continue to spend time with this person? Heck yeah. So we then trained for a 10K and then a half. And just to go from not being able to run a mile to running over 13 miles, I thought was just, yeah, it was awesome. totally God doing it. That's awesome. The cool thing about when we were doing the half marathon this is right before he proposed. Um, but the the morning of, I was at my house. He was at his house with friends, and we were all going to go. There were a group of us that were going to run, and I remember standing at my counter, and I just said, Lord, you have to take this run. Like, I don't think I can do it. Yeah. Um, it just was a lot of work. And I said, uh, you know, Oh, uh, it was a couple weeks before that we had gone to a wedding and we had to run 12 miles before we got to the big race. And I struggled the whole time. Mm -hmm. My legs hurt so bad. And the whole time we ran, I was like, Lord, give me air in my lungs and strengthen my yeah. legs. And I think that's all I said for about, I don't know, 11 miles. Yeah. And the 12th mile, I said, Lord, this mile's yours. I can't, 
I can't do it. Yeah. And it was the coolest thing. It was just instantly, I just ran a mile. It Nothing hurt. I felt wonderful. And yeah. I was like, Lord, thank you so much. I just bawled. I was like, yeah. oh, I should have asked you earlier. <laughs> <laughs> yes, maybe the last 11 miles yes. wouldn't have been as bad. Yes. You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, but I thought it was so neat that God chose running to matter. Like yeah. he, uh, it was just, it was such a cool experience. But at that big run, I knew how hard that 12 miles had been. And I just was really not looking forward to over 13. So I said, Lord, I know you took my last mile the last time. I need you to take this whole race. You take it. It's, this is for you. And please bless my banana. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. That's awesome. So I went and um, the weird thing was, was that, you know, Dan and I had done that together and we started this race and it was within a couple miles and Dan started to struggle. And he said, you need to just go without me. And I just think it was... I think God had a part in that where he needed it to be just me, just him, and we ran. And I I didn't feel tired the entire time. I ran it in a pretty good time. I was, you know, the I was better than the middle of the pack. So I thought, wow. Yeah, it's awesome. So cool. Um I just knew it was him because there's no way I could have done that. Yeah. I, you know, I would have been crawling across the the finish. Um, but it was so neat. And then, uh, it was about a month after that, then that, uh, Dan proposed and, uh, it was just kind of a whirlwind. We were, we were friends with Pastor Jonas, um, and we had asked, is there any way that we could get married maybe this September? And we thought, well, there's probably no way, because that's such short notice. And how, like how much notice was that? Like a month? Or? Three three months, I three think months. it okay. was. Okay. Yeah. So um, Jonas said, you know, it just so happens we have this weekend open. That's awesome. <laughs> so um, at that point, it was so weird. It felt like God was planning our wedding, and I am such a person. I need everything so, so Everything needs to be perfect. I need to be involved in all kinds of planning. And in this instant, I was just like, I'm just really letting God take take the wheel here. And he was doing it. Yeah. We we had, you know, that fell into place. And at the time, um, Dan's brother was not just swimming in cash. And we happened to go to the <clears throat> place to buy suits. And it was buy one, get one free. <laughs> It's like, that's cool. (laughs) Well, here's your free suit. (laughs) Yeah. And um, my uh, sister-in-law, I said, well, what color do you like? And she said, well, I like this blue, this bluish color. And and we called um, David's bridal and the dress that she liked only had her size and the color that she wanted. That was the only one they had there. And uh, I remember uh, driving with Madeline around and she said I said we should really go and find you a dress now Madeline was eight years old at this time so it was just fun to have this young girl but also terrifying because you know she has a mom so trying to figure out 
what a stepmom looks like. And we usually call me more of a bonus mom. Not, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why we think there's a stigma to the stepmom, but sure. um, anyway, we were driving around and we were going to go pick a, her out a dress. And I said, well, I suppose we should find me a dress. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and she said, yes, let's go find a dress. So we just stopped somewhere and she helped me pick out a dress. That's and awesome. um, it was just uh, just a really cool, easy, uh, just God wanting us to get married. Yeah. And we had our reception in Dan's backyard. And I remember people saying, ooh, should you have a plan B? What if the weather's bad? I said, God's planning this wedding. I don't think he's going to rain. Yeah. <laughs> he's not going to rain on our day, and he didn't. It was 80 degrees and beautiful. And That's awesome. How, uh, how many years have you guys been married now? It's going to be 12. 12 years. Okay. Yeah. And you got two. We have two kiddos. Right. And what's their, their ages? Madeline is 20. Okay. Is she still around in the area? or? Yes. Okay. She is in her third year of pharmacy school at NDSU. Okay. So she's thriving there, and Brooks is five. And the reason why we have that big of a stretch is because I just had a real hard time having babies. So I had endometriosis, so it's just, it's a struggle for girls like us. So it took us a long time to get Brooks, and we did end up having to do IVF. And uh, and that was kind of a struggle for me, too, because Mm -hmm. I— I didn't know there's just it kind of gets different in all of that fertility stuff. You're not sure yeah. if you're doing what you should be doing or I don't know. There's like all these questions that kind of go through your mind and I had just the sweetest doctor and uh we were talking through IVF because at that point they realized there was just it was like five percent chance of me getting pregnant without going all the way to IVF. It just was very minimal. And uh, she said, you know, Christy, we can only do so much. We get to a certain point. And she said, God still needs to work that miracle um, for you to actually get pregnant. And that's all she had to say. And I was like, okay, we can go ahead and do that. So we uh, were blessed to... um, I I mean, even the process of IVF, it seemed like a very slim chance because we only ended up with one embryo that actually, you know, worked. So yeah. that was it. It was one one time and that was all that we had. And the amount that I had that they were able to harvest, it just was like, this wasn't going to happen another time. Yeah. So when we were pregnant, it was just such a blessing and we had to have a lot of patience. I mean, it was five, I think six years by the time we finally had Brooks, maybe even more. I'm not really good at math. Am I? No <laughs> it was a lot. It was a long time in our marriage where it was just a lot of heartache because I think we thought we were going to, you know, we built this this house and we our plan was to fill these rooms and it just wasn't God's plan. Yeah. So... Yeah, for sure. Um, and what do you, uh, I know Dan works, and I think you do a few things, but maybe just like your background. Oh, and yeah. That kind of stuff as well. So Dan works at um, 
Hawkins Inc. and they do water treatment. Okay. Yeah. So you're drinking water. Yeah. All I mean, it it's I used to I used to always tell people, oh, he sells chemicals for pools. <laughs> he's like Christy. <laughs> That's kind of true, but it's like, yeah. yes, it's like a minimal amount of what we do. That's funny. <laughs> so if you want me to really like take you down a couple notches, <laughs> I guess just ask me to describe what you do. That's great. That's perfect. Because <laughs> that's how I do it. Oh. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> and I still, I still don't know that I can truly tell you what he does, yeah. but, but now, uh, now I feel like he's more of an upseller. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's changed jobs he does a lot of traveling yeah. and they bring him in when they're having issues and he figures out uh different chemicals that they can combine to help sure. help their issues so yeah. that's what he does so i call him an upseller now that's awesome <laughs> i love it and what about yourself um so i uh left my job when brooks turned two i used to work at houston engineering i ran their cad department so their computer drafting department um and I, I basically did like site plans and plats, like planning developments yeah. and things. I really love doing that. Um, but when Brooks turned two, I had just a, a feeling that I was supposed to leave work. So I put in my two weeks and I, they didn't want me to quit. So they asked if I'd stay on part time. And I ended up doing that for a year. And then Brooke stopped taking naps, and I, <laughs> I didn't have the opportunities to work anymore. It's like three a.m. to five a.m., and then you know nine to midnight. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, I just have to be fully done. But when I look back now, I think God was really getting me ready to be fully done. Because yeah. I think if I would have just quit and been all the way done, it would have been too much of a shock. I was used to. I, I mean, I've been working since seventh grade, so I just yeah. I was used to going to work, having that be my purpose. For sure. And I think God was shifting my purpose to what it was going to be, um, which I know, like just being a mom as a purpose, but being a mom with a kiddo that was going to have special needs. It's just a different, it feels like a different ball game. Yeah. And I think he needed to prepare me for that. So at two, at his second birthday, I, I left. And it was when he was two and a half that we <clears throat> we took Brooks in because he just wasn't, he wasn't talking. He was doing a lot of babbling and he did it nonstop. So every time Dan's mom would call and and she's from Minneapolis, but any anytime she would call just to see how Brooks was doing, and yeah. we would always say, any day now, he any day now, he is going to just start. It's going to be sentences because yeah. this kid doesn't stop. <laughs> He's talking. got the build up going. Yeah. yeah, but it just it kept going on like that. There just wasn't a change. So <clears throat> at two and a half, uh, I took him in because I just thought something is not something's not right. And, um, and most moms probably know this, but as a dad, I, I mean, my wife does things and I'm like, okay. Like, so when you say take him in, he, you like just went to the pediatrician or yes. whatever. Right? Well, I, we, we had gone to the pediatrician and cause he had had his, they, they see him every six months for sure. And she said, I, I think we should probably have him see a speech pathologist just to have him check him out. So I took him in and the gal, you know, she tries to talk to Brooks, take him through some tests, and 
she said, well, he definitely needs speech therapy, but I think you need to actually have him tested for autism. And that's a scary word for someone who doesn't have any background in in that i i i really didn't i was i was pretty naive to to anything like that and walked out of there just terrified that i wasn't going to be equipped yeah to deal with this i just i didn't i didn't know what life was going to look like yeah and um i think dan was he was more upset uh, right away. It wasn't he was upset that Brooks might be ill, I, ha- have something wrong. I think it was he was upset that someone would even suggest it. He thought mm. that he was just a little behind. Yeah. He's going to be fine. That, you know, that was kind of his thought. And I think it was, it took him a little while to come around where we had to have discussions where I said, oh, we can't. We can't come at this as something's wrong with our kiddo. He just has something a little different going on. Yeah. So autism can't be a bad word in our house. Yeah. So let's nip that in the bud immediately. Sure. So um, then we just started, uh, you know, we, we took him in. He had to see like five specialists and they diagnosed him Um with a speech delay, and then um, that he had the he was on the spectrum for autism. So thankfully for Brooks, you know he has all the he wants to communicate with you. He wants to be part of a group. He want he'll he'll do some eye contact where a lot of that stuff you just don't get for sure. Um, and uh, the one thing that just really holds him back is a speech delay. And I think for me, I just thought, well, what, what does that mean? <laughs> like, yeah. what does speech delay mean? Yeah. And it's so complex where I didn't, you know, it's not just that he's not talking yet. It, for a while, it was he's not really understanding. He can't, can't register it really quickly, you know, mm. to give you back information. You know, he has a hard time articulating what he's trying to say. Brooks will do, like, He's come so far from when he was two to five. Like it's it's wild how much he talks, even just in the last year. Mm. But he'll <laughs> he'll tell people he loves them really quickly. I think what he's trying to say is, "Oh, I like you. Like yeah. let's play. Let's yeah. you know." He's like, "I love you." <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <I'm> like, <awesome. laughs> like that's super cute. That is awesome. <laughs> but you might. You might scare people a little bit. <laughs> yeah. When you get 15, you know, yeah. maybe need to cut it back a little bit, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. But it's just, uh, it's wild how how far he's come. But we've had so much help from his speech therapy and occupational therapy at Sanford to we did behavioral therapy um, through pediatric partners. They came into our house five days a week, so they were with him for a couple hours every day. Yeah. And it was just a lot of support, and I think that's what I needed. And slowly they've had to, where he graduates from a program or like now that we're in school, 
his speech therapist thought it might be too much. So we're just dialing back to just school now where he gets yeah. speech and OT there. Instead of going to school <clears throat> and then all these other things after school. Yes. But the nice thing is, is that they all have tapered off slowly mm. because I think for me to go from all of that to nothing, you feel very alone in what you're trying to do and just like, yeah. don't leave us. Yeah. <laughs> like we're not a, we're not a hundred percent yet over here. For sure. <clears throat> and so that tapering, like did that happen over the course of like, like a month or two or it's like, been starting since like last December. Okay. Oh wow. So mm -hmm. we, I mean, we're, that's like six, seven months. Yep. Okay. Okay. Yep. So first ABA, he graduated out of that. Um, Cause he never really had a lot of behavioral issues. It was mm -hmm. more just learning how to, um, react when someone talks to you, like to not just ignore you completely, but to actually have a response. Yeah. Um, those gals were just amazing because he didn't, Brooks couldn't say his name before that. He started with them at three. So it was six months from two and a half to three before he, he didn't see anyone. It mm. took a long time to just get him in. Um, but once he did, like in these two years, so Brooks can say his name now. He can say how old he is, where he couldn't before. Yeah. Um, he says his teacher's name, which is amazing. Awesome. I thought for sure he'd have to abbreviate her, <laughs> but he doesn't. He says it, and it's like O D guard. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. So it's so, uh, very enunciated. So yeah. that's good. Okay. <clears throat> I mean, what's like? How is this? I'm assuming your reaction and response and processing was probably different than your husband's mm -hmm. and so like what i mean you mentioned it was kind of hard for him to kind of come to the realization or or just yeah i'm assuming the dad just in him is like oh i need to protect my son i don't yes. want to label him oh absolutely he did not want him labeled and so was that at a and then so when all this is taking place you know six months to get him in and all of these you know you know, from two and a half, I guess maybe almost three, he saw someone for the first time. Yeah. So then, you know, he's five now. So the last two years here in this kind of process, like how has he, you know, processed through these things and how have you, mm -hmm. and is it, is it hard to do it together or is, is it kind of like, I mean, he's processing differently kind of by himself kind of thing or. I think we you know, do, we process things differently for sure we do, but I think we are such a team. I mean, we, we like to yell out Team Stroud, you know, when we really need to, Yeah, we just need to come together. Or if we're just even disagreeing about something, we're like, hey, we're wanting the same thing. We just need to figure out um, how to go about it. Yeah. Um, you know, for, this sounds really dramatic, but I think when, you know, we're having this son, you know, Dan had had, had a daughter. Daughters are different. They're mm -hmm. soft. They're cuddly. You know, they're, you know, want to play with dolls. You know, Brooks, I think for a dad, you have these expectations of what it's going to look like. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And your ideas kind of have to die. Yeah. When you have this told, you know, this is what it's going to be and... And we don't know, you know, what Brooks's life will look like in two years. Yeah. It could be that he 
everyone looks and he appears to be just your average kiddo in a couple years. But, you know, parents that want to put their kids in t-ball and want to be in soccer and all these things, that was a no-go for us. And not that we didn't want to. We just, you know, when, when he can't take direction, when he doesn't kind of understand... Yeah. It's not something you can do. So sure. all that stuff, it seems so unimportant, but I think it's just hard to just be like, your kid can't be a part. Yeah. So I think that was Dan's, what I saw. I don't want to sure. speak for him, yeah. but I just yeah, think absolutely. that there is just kind of a, there is that death of your ideas and yeah. you have to say, well, I guess what is the plan then? What is what is his life going to look like? Yeah, for sure. So, how has this strengthened your guys's marriage? I would say just because we have to be a team on so many things. There, I mean, you it would unravel pretty quick if we weren't. You could let this unravel you. You know, it it, yeah. it really could. So. We've just, like I told you, I, I have said to Dan, he's with me till the end. So, he so didn't have a choice. You, there's no choice right. here. So, yeah. Um, and I would assume, I mean, not that I've, you know, had that full understanding of and a lot of people's lives, I guess, from a home perspective, but I would, I think it'd be probably a good assumption to assume that a difficulty like this has probably uh, affected many marriages in a way where they're no longer together. I would assume that I don't have any idea or statistics or whatever, but I would assume that this would be a pretty dramatic thing that would affect many people's lives mm-hmm. um, and, and cause them to probably separate if they're on the same page. Oh, I could see how it could. Um, I'm Cause there's even, there's so much focus that you have to have on your child just time wise at appointments yeah. with people in the house, like what's next? You know, I can be set off by going to the park and having a kid not want to play with Brooks or just say something that isn't kind. And Brooks doesn't even, most of the time, he doesn't even know. He has no clue, yeah. but I do, and my heart breaks. Yeah. And then Dan has to, you know, figure out how to pull me back together because he's like, it'll be okay. Like he doesn't even know. I know that this is crushing you, but he doesn't know. Um, so I don't know. He's just, he's been great that way. Just such a, such a partner. Like, I think you just need, you need that with things like this because it is, you know, we don't have a lot of time, just together, just ourselves, because yeah. for a long stretch, Brooks was hard to leave with anyone because he he liked to run. Yeah. Um. He, you know, he would just take off. He had no, like, this is dangerous. He didn't have that. So he, he was a concern. And I don't think people knew that until they were with him by themselves. And then it was, oh, this isn't that fun. You know, this is, this is kind of hard. So we don't get to do a lot of date nights and, and things like that. So, you know, my mom, she's wonderful now, you know, and, and she was back then too. It's just, I think we didn't even feel comfortable Mm -hmm. leaving him 
all the time either. So, and if and we did, here in town? my mom is here. Okay. Yeah. And so was she like, Hey, I want to, you know, I want to take Brooks. Let me, you know, let me take him. And you guys were like, no, we're okay. <laughs> Instead of saying, you know, maybe it was really on your mind. You're like, no, we're good. Or like, how did that go? Well, you know, my mom grew up with her. She was one of 15. Oh. So there were lots okay. of kids. Yeah. So her mom didn't do that. Okay. She, you know, there were too many. Yeah, yeah, she had a village to take care of every yes, day. Yes, so. there were like plus when grandkids came, there were sixty plus of us of just <laughs> the you know this is awesome. grandkids. Yeah. So grandma didn't ask. Yeah. So you ask grandma for sure. So my mom is she. I believe my mom would do anything I ever would need, but she's not, that's how she grew up. So that's her, sure. that's how she does it. Like yeah. you, you can ask me anytime, but she's not going to be like, Hey, you guys need a date night, For you sure. know, because even when they had kids, they were bringing their kids with because yeah. she was, they lived in a town without family. Yeah. Um, so that's just kind of the dynamic. And I don't like to ask <laughs> a ton. Yeah. So, uh, it's just kind of how it, how it is. Gotcha. So yeah. now it's, you know, I feel a little more like if we absolutely need to, he's getting to a point now that he's not running, you know, he yeah. listens to you. So I think we're kind of turning a corner now where things will change a yeah. little bit, but. So I'd like to, if I can pry just a little bit, because I'm also a person that it, I, there has to be, it has to be so bad and everything in the world is going to be burned into the ground before I ask for help. It's kind of a, it's a, I don't know, I'd probably say a major pride issue in my own life. But a, a part of me, I, I don't know, there's reasons I have behind it, but nonetheless. So it is that like a, like a pride issue for, for you with just not only asking for help for for Brooks, but like just in general. And so that's just not who you are. And you'd rather kind of just tackle it yourself or, you know, it could be, okay. It could be. I'm just, I might not have labeled it yet. <laughs> no, <laughs> you get some time, you know, you're just figuring it out. And it could be, cause you know, I love to serve. I love serving others. I love, you know, if I can go over to my brothers and, you know, do their dishes. Yeah. I just love that. Yeah. I, you know, I, I love if someone were to ask me to do something, that's all I want to do. For sure. Yeah. But I don't feel like I can do that. Is that weird? No, I I, I, I could I could talk for hours about this specific <laughs> subject, actually, because I, uh, yeah, I. It's weird how that works, how you can give it, but you can't receive it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I would, yeah, I would agree. But I love, I mean, if someone does something for me, I, I think I thank them. I probably overthink them more than they're, yeah. than they're uncomfortable. <laughs> like, like, why are you thinking of me? Quit. You know? uh, you've said it six times. Yeah, yeah. Please drop it. Yeah. I, oh, this is awesome. <laughs> yeah. I, I can relate very much. So I, I get that. Yeah. And I guess I just, I know that, you know, for us and our family, we've never, I mean, family's always been, uh, I guess we had, when we lived in Texas, um, some, our, our family lived in the DFW area. So maybe three and a half hours. We hardly ever, you know, saw them or whatever mm -hmm. still, but so we've never, we've kind of always been a little envious of families who had family in town, you know, cause by the time we factor in like, okay, we're paying a babysitter. And if you just go to dinner at, I don't know, Olive Garden and you watch a movie, I'm at $150. I'm like, mm. yeah, I don't really want to do that that often. <laughs> like, I don't know <laughs> if I really want to do that. And not that you always have to do things that, you know, cost money, I guess, but yeah. pretty much everything costs money. So the flip side of that. So we have found all, all of my family is in town. So my parents are maybe a mile away. My brother's 
three miles away. Yeah. And and then I have a younger brother too that's really close. So everybody's in town. The only time I don't like when everyone is in town is over holidays. And this seems weird, but it's because no one's spending the night. <laughs> I just yeah. want everyone to yeah. like come together, spend the night like we used to when we were, For sure. you know, in college, we'd go home, yeah. everyone stayed yeah. and you were together where now we have Christmas and then everyone heads home. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> like, wait, the holiday is not done. <laughs> I love We're it. supposed to stay up late and watch movies. Like, I, sure. I don't know. That's just, that's the one downfall of families in town. That's my only, I love that's it. my only problem with it. Nope. That makes sense. So kind of what like adjustments and that have you had to make with your strategy for Brooks specifically? And it, and it may not, you know, where you probably may sit down and write out like, okay, sure, we're doing differently. But as you're learning on what best way to serve him and yeah. to care for him, like how, how did that kind of parenting perspective change and adjust for you and your husband? For us, I think raising kiddos has always been different because um, Madeline was, she was too when her mom and dad got divorced, when Dan and uh, Christina separated. And, you know, so that's kind of what she knew. So Dan spent has spent most of her life not having her all the time. For sure. So we had to navigate that, what that looks like, what it looks like for Madeline to have two sets of parents. Yeah. You know, we uh, decided that, we wanted her to be so happy. So we were the weird couples that actually talked and sat together at her basketball games. And people thought that was so weird, but we thought, isn't this amazing though, that we're just caring for our daughter and it doesn't matter what's happened between anybody. We just want to love on her. So we love each other and we care about each other. And that's just kind of how we did that. And then with Brooks, it was like, we already do everything so differently. (laughs) We just do it different now, too. And with him, you just have to jazz things up a bit. So I'll tell you a story. I thought it was cute when, so I'll give you background a little bit. But when we say grace before any meal, Dan always ends it with, amen, brother. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like dramatic like yeah, like just amen like, brother amen brother he always says it funny and that's just but it's yeah he's trying to engage brooks for sure oh that's awesome so and you can understand most of what brooks is saying but some of it is a little muddled but you always get the amen brother at the end but brooks has never said that he just says amen <laughs> so this is awesome. so um Brooks started kindergarten this year, so we are in the Bethel kids, so now he's in the kindergarten class, it's Sunday school, now this is big stuff, you're a big kid, there's no toys in the room, you're Sunday school, this is business. Yeah. So, um, he got a Bible, Uh, we got one when he got, when he was dedicated, but now this is big kid Bible, this is big stuff. Like the adventure Bible? Yes, he's got the adventure Bible and he brought that home and he was so excited about his Bible. So, um, before, when he got his, um, the kids, I can't remember what one it's called, but when he got his Bible when he was dedicated, um, Brooks really, it was hard to get him to sit to even read books at that time. So I didn't get into that routine of let's read your Bible. Like I did this one picture one 
Um, but then once we finish that, I just like you get out of that habit for sure. And uh, anyway, we got the Bible, and I said, you know what? Uh, Pastor Andy was talking about just making it, you know, creating that habit, and I was yeah. like, I'm gonna just. Brooks is to a point now that he can sit for books. Even though it's the NIV and he's probably not going to grasp any of it, we're just going to read a chapter. Yeah. So we took his Bible. He was very excited. We read some of his other books and I said, let's read a chapter. And we read the first, we're just starting in Genesis. Everybody's probably read Genesis a hundred times because you always start reading Genesis when yes. you're like, I'm reading the Bible this year. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> so we started in Genesis. We read a chapter and uh, we say, I, I said a prayer with him and I tried to make it as, kid yeah you know like a kid's praying yeah and i said i love you and i said good night and i i walk out and it was really quiet because dan was downstairs watching football and i could hear him and he starts praying by himself oh. and he just he, it was so cute he um he just is like jesus i love you so much and then he starts listing off all the people he loves. <laughs> That's awesome. And I will tell you, Maverick. He made, was on the list? Maverick oh. made the list, and Hope, Sweet Hope, made the list. And at the end, he said, Amen, brother. <laughs> <laughs> I ran downstairs. Awesome. I was like, Dan, you should have heard what Brooks yeah. just did. I thought it was just the sweetest thing. And it was just such just a reassurance that Christy, you're just doing an okay job. I just, I needed that this week. This week yeah. was a tough week. Last week was a tough week. Brooke's going to school. Now my life looks totally different again. For sure. And it's like every, I just feel like I'm constantly, my life is just feels uprooted. Yeah, new rhythms. New rhythms and just watching him go and just thinking about where he was. And now he's praying by himself and just his love that he has for people. And I just think, you know, I might have been sad about what he wasn't going to be, but I can't even imagine, like, what God has intended yeah. for this little kiddo. Um, yeah. But it was just super special. And I thought, I wonder if this is just a one-time deal. So we did it again yesterday because this is a habit we're doing it mom says <laughs> and uh he did it again he just prayed out and it was more people were on the list and yeah. and um that amen brother made it to the end That's again awesome. and, and this time dan was like right by the we we're just right by the door listening Heck to yeah, see I what his spirit this. was it was just super super precious and just yeah. a gift i think we needed it this yeah. week so yeah that's awesome how is, uh, you know, just the, the reality of kind of where you guys are with your family and with Brooks, how has that caused some frustration within your guys' marriage and right? relationship or maybe even, you know, your extended family? I mean, some people are understanding and some people are not. Mm -hmm. so, you know, some people, some family, you know, says some really, really hurtful things that makes me just, I'm like, Jesus, you need to wait outside. You are not going to want to hear or see what I'm about to do, homie. Like, so, I mean, I, you know, I would assume there's some, so maybe, you know, lean a little bit with some frustrations that have happened. I would say for the most part, we've been so blessed with family that just loves Brooke so much. Awesome. Um, but 
you know, kids can be kids sometimes and, you know, you bring friends into the mix that are with with your family and then they'll they'll make a comment like, I don't speak your language. Yeah. And that's not okay. Man, man as a dad, I'm <laughs> oh my, my well, blood pressure's going up thinking about it. And that was down that was Dan's reaction too. He's sitting over and he's hearing this and he said, I was about to get up because I I yeah. had just happened onto a situation <laughs> and I didn't hear I didn't hear what had been said to Brooks. Okay. And and I and Brooks <laughs> I don't he just said, What did you say to me? <laughs> <laughs> and that's all he kept saying over and over. Yeah. And I, one, I was, I was like, well, what did this kid say? Yeah. But I said, Brooks, oh, that's not a nice way to talk. Yeah. We don't talk like that. And I go over and Dan's like, you should have heard what that kid said. <laughs> if I was there, I'd be like, preach it, son. Get yes. after that dude. Get it. Get, get him. You know? Yes. Oh, man. Um, But then you're, you know, you hear the whole story and, and then you're, you know, your heart breaks for your kiddo because then you're thinking, you know, he had just, he was going to start school and it was right before he started school. And I was yeah. like, well, kids, kids can be unkind. Yeah. And I think it's from, you know, fear of like what's, like something's different. And I don't know if I like something different. Like, and if you don't, if you're not around a kid like that, you just don't know how to, deal with yeah. it sometimes i think yeah for sure so anyway we had a situation where i felt like our relatives could have maybe stuck up for him his okay. his little cousins could have maybe stuck up for him and yeah. and one chose not to but he's a little kid yeah. so it's like it, it's a good learning a learning uh moment but um at the same time, his big sister said, had I heard that, he would have had to leave. Yeah. That is not nice. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you know, it just shows a difference in age and maturity, and I'm sure that'll come with the little one, too. Yeah. Um, but stuff like that, you know, or just having it where you feel like he's getting left out, yeah. that's just really hard on a parent. Yeah. Brooks is so used to playing by himself. You know, Madeline, she's already been in college three years, so she's not in the house a lot. So Brooks is, it's me and Brooks most of the time. Yeah. So um, he's used to hanging out by himself. So he doesn't even understand when my heart's breaking because the kid's not playing with him. Yeah. He's just busy in the sand. Yeah, <laughs> you know, sure. he doesn't, he's fine. Yeah. But... I don't know. I just worry one day he will know. And then I guess we'll have to deal with that then too. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> What's kind of the Lord been teaching you guys in this season? Um, well, I think from the day I met Dan, patience has just been our, that's been our word. Yeah. And I said, <laughs> we should probably quit praying for patience because I think he keeps trying <laughs> to teach it to us. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yes. It's like, oh, you want you want to learn patience. Let's give you one more try. For sure. <laughs> but um it is. I, I you know, patience is our patience is what we just feel like the Lord is teaching us in everything, in waiting for me to get married, in having a stepdaughter and how to navigate that, 
in not being able to get pregnant, in finally having Brooks, but then finding out something was different, in just the way that you have to deal with, you know, other kiddos. And I think one passion I think that has really come out of this for me too is just the desire to make sure that every single kid is represented in things that we do here at Bethel too. Yeah. Because I, you know, before um, before COVID had happened, Brooks was just in the nursery and in the toddler room. So there was nothing to be worried about. I didn't even know anything was necessarily wrong at that point. For sure. Then everything that we found out about Brooks was during COVID. And then people weren't even going to church. Yeah. So when we came back, I was absolutely terrified to send him to Sunday school. And it seems weird, but it's just, it's what I felt because I thought he would, he'd end up being a disturbance. He'd, you know, they'd be, they'd see him as a nuisance or something. He wouldn't do what they want him to do. Yeah. Um, Because I remember going back and it's like, oh, he didn't want to do this today or he didn't want to do that today and just being... You just kind of have that nervous energy when you would go back. And I just I I, I just was I don't know. I, I was so scared to do it, but God was like, You're taking him to Sunday school. Yeah. It, we're, you need to go back. So we went back and we kinda had some of that, but it's hard with a kid with needs. Like there they're there just needs to be things in place for that. And there wasn't at the time and they were doing the best that they could. And, and now I'm just so pumped that they've come up with this Bethel buddies program. Yeah. Um, And just so that moms that have kids with any kind of extra little need, sometimes it's just, I can't sit still, you know, when you just need someone to help you maybe take a walk or do something like Sometimes that's all you need. And I think what God has worked in me is just such a patience for kids that have something that they might be a total nuisance to a classroom. But to me, I just want to love on that kiddo. I, because I just think, well, that was Brooks. And he's getting better. He still needs help, but he doesn't need as much anymore. And I just, I just strongly feel like, you know, when you read the Bible, God typically isn't dealing with a bunch of okay, everything's all right type of people. He's yeah. dealing with the sick and with people that have issues. And I'm like, well, those should be the people we're going to first, yeah. <laughs> you know? So. <clears throat> I feel like that is just something he has really bubbling up in me. Um, I wish he had maybe bubbled that up before I chose my college degree. (laughs) (laughs) For sure, yeah. Yeah, because now I just have this interior design degree that I'm like, well, how does that play into this? For sure. (laughs) Because I just, I don't know. I just want to love on kids and... um, Allison thankfully asked if I would be a Bethel buddy, so I'm gonna try try that. And my only experience is just my experience with my kiddo, yeah. but I feel like it can translate into helping out other kids here. For sure. 
And lean in with that a little bit. Tell us a, a look a little bit about because you're probably, if I remember correctly, on the first kind of conversation, even with Allison about, hey, we want to try to figure out how to serve families who have a child with some extra needs. And so tell us a little bit about Bethel Buddies and just kind of what that is, um, just because there's very few people that probably know about it at this point. Yeah. So how I understand it is that it is kind of like a pair at school. Yeah. So some people will be with um, with a child if they have a need that they need someone with them all the time. There is a person that's just going to be in that room with them. Yeah. And then there are some of us that will just float. And if a kiddo, it doesn't matter if they necessarily have us, you know, a diagnosed For special sure. need. But yeah. maybe there's a kid that just needs a little more love that day. Um, there's going to be people that are going to be floating and can help in that classroom that day. Yeah. Um, otherwise, uh, you know, for just people who really do have special needs, there's going to be someone that can be in that classroom to just help because what we want to do is make sure that they're not sitting in the back just doing their own thing, yeah. but that they're, they're as engaged as can be. Yeah. Because even, um, you know, to, to just kind of uh, drive home my point here, I'm reading Genesis to Brooks, which to me, sometimes the Bible can go right over my head too, yeah. but we're reading and last night he said, his rib? Because they, <laughs> they t- <laughs> we're talking about Adam and Eve. Yeah. And he just was like, you took his rib? <laughs> so I was like, I was like, well, he's, he is listening. Yeah, so absolutely. Sometime at the same time though he was humming through the whole time that I yeah. was reading and I'm like oh but I'm gonna do it yeah yeah um but just his little things that he says you know he's taking it in so yeah. the idea is to just get them as involved and write in with all the other kiddos because that's what we want to do yeah. is have them have the opportunity as every other kiddo here yeah so. That's kind of where Bethel Buddies blossomed out of. And, you know, Allison has that background in special education. Mm-hmm. So I think that is just a super beautiful gift that had yeah. come to Bethel as well. And I know that it, before, I think the challenge was just they did, they weren't sure they had enough people to help to do this. Yeah. But what I had told Allison is I think, you start it and God will provide what you need at this time. Yeah. So I think he's provided. There seems yeah. to be plenty of people right now. I'm sure there could be so many more that we could use. Yeah. Um, but for right now, it's it's a start. And I think that's all that they needed to do. Yeah. I often think to myself, I just want to, in my mind care for people in such a way and just pretend that our church is a group of 10 people. Yeah. And okay, what would I, how, how intentional or drastic or over above and beyond what I go for, for a person to care for them. And so I, that's what I often think sometimes in churches, we get to a point, sometimes we complicate things and I'm like, mm-hmm. well, I, I don't, we seem to care for the people we have. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, yeah. And so As others come, I just think you, yeah. those accommodations will happen. Yeah. It just, it does. If that is what God wants you to do, it will work. Yeah. It just will work. So I, I think it'll be great. Yeah. In what ways has 
has the church not helped or been difficult in some ways? You know, and, and church world's unique. You know, we're trying to care for everybody that we can, and we, we mess things up a lot. I mean, staff and, and individuals, I mean, we're, we're also, when you get a bunch of sinners together, we do a lot of stupid stuff and dumb stuff. And, and not, I don't think, I don't think normally maliciously or, yeah, you know, but, but we, we hurt people mm-hmm. and, uh, and we have to confess and repent for those things and all that. So in what ways has the, has the church not made it, it has made it harder for you and your family? Um, <clears throat> I think, you know, I, I don't ever like bringing up, bringing up things that I've already just forgiven and let go. But I think in the one regard, the one time, the one time that we just really felt like Bethel had fallen short for our family was just in a way that an issue with Brooks was just brought to us. So something happened and then the way that the person it was just communicated the tone. it. It yeah, was just, the tone yeah. and you, I think just understanding and maybe it's just having a kid with special needs, you just know there's certain ways that you cannot talk to a mom and dad because they're already struggling so much. Yeah, It's like all you want is help. That's all you want. Yeah, And, you know, when you get a tone... Your your feeling is we're not wanted here. Yeah, like this is just this is what's happening. We're just not wanted here, and that was a thought. Was do we just go somewhere else? But you know we have relationships with some people here at church that are so good that I just I was like, well, here's the thing. Like you said, churches are made up of people. And no matter what church we go to, they will let us down. They're going to let us down because they are not Christ. (laughs) So um, do we just church hop until someone talks to us in the way we want to? Or do we help facilitate some changes? Um, So that's what we did. Yeah, We just, thankfully, I was friends with two pastor's wives. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And I just voiced a concern, and the wheels started turning. Yeah. And um, I think they were meant to turn. I think that there was a need, and God wanted that change. I just, that's what I believe. Yeah. So if we had to have our hearts broken for a Sunday for that change to happen, I'm glad that it happened to us and not to another family so that we could— talk to the right people and have a change made. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that scenario. Mm -hmm. So I, and it's interesting to me. uh, And like you said, it wasn't what they said was wrong, but it was the tone. It was just the tone. And so I think it's, I think it's wise for us to, to take the time, especially if when, when, when there's the possibility of tension or even addressing somebody that it's, you know, if there's some correcting or just, I think we need to be cautious of how we say things mm-hmm. and have some self-awareness mm-hmm. and not everybody has self-awareness. And so I think it it's wise for us to not only to care well for families who've got a, you know, a, a little guy with some extra needs, but even we need to be cautious of how we communicate with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, just, I think just in general. And so 
I'm fascinated by how oftentimes the right information can be communicated in such a way that it could destroy a relationship when that was not the intention or no. the heart behind it at all. The heart, I think the heart behind that conversation was, Hey, this is kind of what's going on, but it was, you know, the tone and the communication of that did not come across mm-hmm. that way. And so, yeah. Um, and I was, I mean, I was grateful that I forget how I found out, but I, I forget. I, I tend to forget details, I guess. Sometimes, it was probably but, one of the pastor's wives. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I was like, I was like, you know, for me, you know, when I, you know, I just want to care for everybody as if, you know, they're just, we're just a church of 10 people. So if, when there's something, I want to do everything we can to do things better and own our mistake and, and all that kind of stuff. And so, um, uh, anyway, just, I, I know that oftentimes we as a church don't always, uh, do things the best way and it can get messy. So in what way has the church been, been helpful in caring for you and your family and where you guys are at in this season of life? Well, honestly, just the, <clears throat> the changes that happened afterwards, I mean, I was in a meeting with Allison and we were talking about ways we could just make things easier for Brooks in a classroom and just the immediate changes that were made right away just so that he knew this is what's coming up next. Even just a picture, they put up pictures of what what was going to be happening and just to have that for him to know that and to put little fidget box in the room just in case he needed something like that. I thought it was it was just a way of loving on our family. Yeah. That's what it felt like. And it made us really appreciate that we were part of this family. I know it's hard because Bethel is so big to feel like you're a part. Um and it's you know, we've we've been going here for 13 years together and I I did go before that as well but you kind of feel like you can walk in and walk out and no one really rec- you know no one really knows if you've missed you know you kind of have that feeling like you're not really a part um but I think just the quick change of things and just what happened uh just add, adding to the classrooms, just those little changes. It was, it just really was just a, a, a reassurance that we really did belong to this family at Bethel. Yeah. Yeah. And I, maybe I just feel a need to just be, just to clarify and just to be super, maybe, I don't know, I'm always raw and honest, I guess, but uh, there wasn't this, like, I think there was an incident that happened and you guys weren't cared for very well. And you let us know. So we had questions and, okay, what happened? What's going on? And then, okay, how do we care for you guys? Mm-hmm. And I guess my my encouragement for those who would be listening would be, I think that's how it should be done. Yeah. Like, no matter how small it is, like, like if you if you feel, like, hurt or offended or, or you know, sinned against, I think instead of the Minnesota nice kind of junk that mm-hmm. is a socially acceptable thing that I've observed in our area, which is blatantly just sin is what it is. Um, and I think it, it oftentimes is celebrated. And so by just sitting down and having a conversation with the person and I think let's come to, let's figure this out. Mm -hmm. And if, and people need to repent as for forgiveness, like this is how life should go. And so, um, I, I actually, I like conflict. So I like those things (laughs) Uh, because I, because I've observed just in life that many people, you know, maybe don't feel 
like they can have that conversation or they maybe they feel if they go to that person that the person is going to be like, Hey, you know, sorry, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. um, this is how it is or, you know, that kind of stuff. So in my mind, I'm just like anything we can do to care for individuals, even if we have to do extra things or whatever that is, it didn't really matter. It's like, well, what, we want to do what we can to care for each person individually be, because each, each person is different. Yeah. And so um, mm-hmm. anyway, so ha- how has like the seasonal life for you and your family has it affected your walk with the Lord in a sense? Has it, has it, you know, you've mentioned multiple times this uh, patience and you've even looking back, you've seen these things that have prepared you in many ways for where you guys are now. So in what ways has this has affected your walk with the Lord? I think, uh, I think there's times where something might happen and you're just, just as an example, if you, you know, we had something happen at a playground. I'm driving home crying. <laughs> and usually I'm saying, what, what are you doing? Yeah. Like what? I don't understand. Like how much hurt do I need to go through? Like, what are you trying to do? Cause I do, I I do believe he just he's been putting me through the fire since my first marriage, just to really come out, you know, the way he wants me to be. So, um, you know, you you have those moments because you had uh, just a sinful background where you just don't even want to look back at that because you can't even uh, you know I look back and I'm like was that me like it doesn't yeah. it's it's so different from what I am now that you when you're going through something you do sometimes have that feeling of am I still being punished mm-hmm. for things that have happened but at the same time I remember back um before Dan and I were even dating, I was walking on a treadmill and and that was how the walking stuff started was my mom was doing a Bible study here at Bethel and it had to it was like lose it for life, I think it was called. It was kind of like a weight thing too. Yeah. And they decided they were gonna walk two miles a day during Lent, every day during Lent, and it was to represent Christ's walk with the cross. And I thought, well, what a cool thing to do. So that's how yeah. it started. That's okay. how my walking started. Okay. And I was doing that. But what I would do is I'd walk on my treadmill and I had my Bible and it was a read the Bible in a year type of Bible. So it kind of jumped around. Yeah. But I would read that. And when I was done with that, I would pray. And most of my prayer was bawling, apologizing for everything I had done. And that was what it was every single day. That's what I would do. I was constantly asking for forgiveness of something I had been asking for forgiveness for probably months. And there was one particular day I was doing it and I heard very sternly enough, do you not think I'm big enough to forgive what you've asked? Yeah. Like it's done, Christy. Let's move on. Yeah. So when I have those moments now, I know that's not God mm. telling me, you know, you need to 
you need to think about what you've done and I'm doing this to you because, you know, yeah. I know that's not him. I know yeah. that is straight from the devil. Yeah. And he's just trying to pull me back into that feeling of that's who I am. And I'm not. I've already come through the fire and God has, you know, he has worked on me to be what I am today. And yeah. these are just tough times because this is the world we live in. You know, we live in a sinful world and so it's going to be tough. Do I wish I didn't have the background that I did? Absolutely. Do I wish that if I saw certain people around town, I didn't have that instant feeling of what did you do? Yeah, I wish that was God. I wish that was gone. But God can forgive me, but he can't take away everyone else's memories. Yeah. He can't take away that. I'll always carry that hurt. That'll be with me forever. That That's a scar I get to carry because that was my choices back then. But um, I don't believe that he's punishing me with a kid with autism. He's yeah. just, he's made me into this person because I'm the perfect mom for Brooks. Like that's, I'm supposed to be his mom. So he has taught me patience. He has to teach me kindness all the time because it is hard to be with a kiddo with special needs that just doesn't get it all the time. And you get frustrated, which you need to have that extra kindness and that extra patience. So if I'm being taught that, he's using those experiences. Um you know, he allows it to happen. He's not, he's not making it happen, but he allows it. And then he turns it into a way that he can work on my heart to be even a better mom for Brooks. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. What things are most helpful for you and your family? Like in terms of if there were to be things that would be beneficial or for ways for people to care well for you that has been meaningful and impactful, like what, what would that look like? For, for us, I think it's just checking in with us. I, I just kind of struggle with always, you know, I kind of grew up feeling like I was a bit of the tag along so you have that feeling throughout your life that that's kind of yeah. what you are. You're you're not really the, sp- it's not that I need to feel special, but you know, you just kind of feel like, oh, you're just kind of there. People forget about you. It's just how it is. Yeah. Um, so really for us, I think that's all it is. Like just, just being a genuine friend to us. I, I have a hard time acquaint, like, uh, I'm one of those people who has very small amount of friends, really good friends. I can't fake that. Yeah. I can't fake being a friend to someone. It's absolutely impossible for me. I just can't even carry on a a really good conversation unless I care. <laughs> so, and I don't mean I don't care about everybody. I, you yeah. know, I care about people, but unless we have a connection, I can't I can't fake that. Some people are really yeah. good at faking yes, faking a friendship or faking just being friendly to people. I can't do it. It's impossible for me. So my friend circle is small. Yeah. Um so there aren't all that many people to check up on you. And you know, my friend circle is other moms and we're busy. Yeah. So sometimes it gets lonely. But um 
And for my husband too, you know, he is from the cities, so his friends are in the cities. And that isn't, you know, it doesn't transfer well here because yeah. it's not here. So now that we're not as ingrained in everything Brooks does, my hope now is that we can be more involved at church just to kind of form those more of those friendships. Yeah. So I've been trying to do that with um, helping with like the praise packs at church, putting stuff together like that or for Awana. And I'm going to be in the the kids crew where I welcome families and um, help them get checked in. And that was important. That just sounded like such a cool thing to do because that is what I've wanted. Yeah. Just to feel seen. Yeah. And and I know Bethel does such a great job of always having someone there to say good morning. But I think it always struck me when someone would ask me, are you new to Bethel? <laughs> and I would say, yeah, oh, it's I, been for a decade. I, but I mean, it's hard. It, I get yeah. it. It's hard when you're a part of a big church. I come from a really little town and we had this just super small um, evangelical free church that we were a part of and everybody knew everybody and everybody watched out for everybody's kids and that's how I grew up. So coming yeah. to a church that can seat, you know, a thousand, that's a big difference. So yeah. you have to work. You have to put in the work too to have people know you. Yeah. Yeah, it may be an appropriate time for me just to lean in here for a second and to say, I think it's okay to uh, for you to never ask, you should never ask somebody at church, are you new? Mm-hmm. That, I, that's not, I don't think you'd be sin, it's not sinful. Uh, but I would say at Bethel, I think a better question is how long have you been involved? How long have you been a part of Bethel Church? Exactly. I, yeah. I, so stop. So if that's you, we love you, and you should stop asking people <laughs> if you're new and just, hey, how long have you been a part of Bethel? Oh, I've been here, you know, 15 years. And actually, I purposely don't tell people I'm a pastor. I've mm-hmm. actually loved. Now, if they ask me, I, I tell them, but I have loved the amount of conversations I've had with people. Just like, hey, like, you know, like, what's your name? How long have you been a part of the Bethel? You know, like, you know, what do you do for work or whatever? And, then, you know, there's a conversation. And then, and they like, well, what, what brought you, you know, like, how long have you been a part of Bethel? Oh, I've, I've been here, you know, you know, since January. Oh, cool. Like, you know, like, or from the area. And I'm like, no, no, we, we came from Austin, Texas. Oh, cool. What brought you? Oh, just, you know, my work brought me here. And so I purposely leave it out because I'm not to be, you know, mean or whatever but i'm trying to i'm trying to see if they a genuine yes yeah I'm, so i'm not going to just tell them that it's like when a like somebody um uh, if they try to evangelize to me now if they ask me hey you're a christian oh yeah absolutely i'm gonna tell you i'm a christian but if they don't ask me those things i won't tell them and oftentimes i've been in a faith conversation with somebody who was trying to evangelize to me and we you know we get 45 minutes in and they finally realize like oh, i'm a pastor <laughs> So part of me thinks if you would have asked a couple of good intentional questions, are, are this this you trying to evangelize to me could have been an opportunity for you for us to build each other up mm-hmm. and say so you're trying to convince me to follow Jesus. So anyway, all that to say is if you should never tell ask somebody if they're new to Bethel. The question well, I will be, tell you, I won't. As, as a kids crew, <laughs> yeah, just, as the kids crew, I won't. Yeah. I'll just say, oh, I'm so excited to see you. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, sorry. It just. Yeah, I, I've had many people who have who have been a been a part of church, and that question has been asked, and there's no maliciousness or no no, no, no. wickedness or evil in it. Just a 
I just think there's a better question mm-hmm. and then, sorry, asking that. So, um, has the Lord brought about like different passions and desires in you and your husband in this season? Like has, you know, has there been things that you're, that you've just realized that, you know, because of the family dynamics and your circumstances that there's these other things that are kind of coming to the surface that you guys care about more or desires that you have? Um, hmm. I think in this moment right now, I have really felt like I am to just be still yeah. and just to wait. I I was thinking that I needed to get back into the workforce right away when Brooke started kindergarten. I, I had that thought like six months ago yeah. and it was like, what am I going to do? What should I do? Who do I know to contact? Because I didn't want to go back to where I was working. Um, but I just had this feeling of just wait. So I have no idea. Yeah. I don't know. I know what my passions are. I mean, you know, I did go into interior design for a reason. I love putting together things for people. Like that's just a real cool thing for me to do. But I also just, I shouldn't, but I have just such a low self-esteem with things like that, that I can't even imagine making that into a business by myself because I just, but at the same time, you know, you think about it like if God wants you to do it, you just you just have him help you. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> where where he gives you the strength to do that cuz I I and and maybe that too is just something he's teaching me is that I really can't do anything on my own strength. Yeah. Um so I don't know. I don't know what yeah. my uh what's next or what uh, I know what I love to do. I love doing that. I love helping people. Um, so we'll see what that is. Um, my husband changed jobs, so he does a lot of traveling and that he's been so excited about that change. So I don't know what, what's in, what, what is really going to happen next for us. It just feels like we're still, we're in a, we're in a little bit of a calm right now. Yeah. Well, something tells me the Lord will help you figure it out when the timing is just right. So, I hope so. Well, yeah. we we were sitting in church this last Sunday, and when Pastor Andy was talking about just turning off the noise so you can actually hear what God is saying, and that really spoke to me because I think there is just so much noise that I can let in. Yeah. Just, you know, anxiety of Brooks starting school, all of that just made me so anxious and and uh, other things just happening and i i think it's just to kind of trust that brooks is his kiddo too yeah and just give it to god i guess and pray that he places very kind and patient people in his path yeah <clears throat> so yeah, for sure what are some and not that in this question i'm not asking you to, to speak for you know every mom who has a child with well, some extra needs but for you guys in your experience what are some phrases or things that people should never ever say again they probably are not malicious or wicked or evil intent but yet that are said or things that are phrases that are just extremely hurtful for mm-hmm. you guys, are there some of those things that would be helpful for other people to know about in your experience to potentially stay away from, uh, as to not cause you know 
harm to somebody, or, you know, or, or harm to you and your husband just verbally? You know? Yeah. Well, like I said before, I don't even know for us if there's really phrases, but it's just your tone. The tone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everything can be said differently. Like yeah. it's so crazy how if you just say it a little different, a total different outcome will happen. Yeah. So for us, it was tone. I just, I can't even really think of anything that someone has just said that, because I, I usually, if I hear something, I'm like, okay, what do you think they meant? Yeah. What were they trying to say? Because sure. I always have the feeling that no one's trying to be a jerk. And if they are, something's going on with them. Like they're having a tough day. Yeah. Something's not going good at home. Yeah. And it just happened to spew out at me. Yeah, for sure. So that's usually what my first reaction is because I just don't want to believe that people are truthfully trying to be ugly to me. For sure. I don't think that is a thing. Yeah. So then it just makes me really want to pray for that person and be like, oh, what's happening with you? Something has got to be going wrong because there's no reason to be upset with me. (laughs) For sure. Yeah. I think it's a great perspective too. I often see that in students where I'm thinking, okay, Wow, I whatever just happened, I don't think is really the issue. So no. I've got questions. And yep. and for me personally, when I have conversations with people, especially when maybe it's there's a disagreement or something, I I, I feel the need to say, Hey, please correct me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Like I, I I please, like if I if I am viewing this differently or in, like I need you to tell me that I'm wrong. Because mm-hmm. I don't want you to think that I'm, you know, like because of my position or whatever, that I'm somehow always right or any of that. So that's a phrase I personally like, I probably say too often. Then maybe they're like, well, maybe Lucas is never confident. And that's not, the, you know, and that's not the heart behind it, but the heart behind it is I could be wrong and I, I need you to correct me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. And so tone. So that's good. Yeah. I think that's great. How, how can, you know, for those listening, you know, how, how can we be praying for you and, and your family? And, you know, you know, next week is probably maybe a different one, you know, you know, maybe <laughs> tomorrow may be a different scenario, but, but how can, how can people be praying for specifically for, for you and Dan and Brooks and Madeline? Madeline, yeah. Madeline, yeah. Um, I would say just to, just that we would have just comfort in this next stage that we're in. Yeah. Um. And just, I, 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 I mean, my prayer always is just that very kind and very patient people are the ones that are placed with Brooks at school yeah. and around him. And I just, and, uh, you know, maybe a kind of a different prayer, but I've done this before, probably about 15 years ago. I, I had to just pray for friends. Mm. I, I was very lonely I prayed for friends and it was weird. I had people come back into my life that hadn't been in my life for five years and they just showed up. Yeah. So probably, you know, friend more, more like people that Dan and I can both be friends with. I have some great girlfriends. I do. But I, I see Dan and I, I hurt for him in that regard because he just does not have that. Yeah. And I just think that's important to have someone to talk to about things. Thankfully, 
we are best buds. We talk about a lot, but I'm sure there's some things he just would like a man's perspective. And I don't have that. And a lot of times I'm always trying to be the, oh, well, did you think about this? The positive. And he's like, can I just tell you this is not going right and let you let me say it? But I'm like, oh, but he might have been having a bad day. And he's like, Christy. Let me just tear up something here. Yes, That's can, I I just, can I just say this person was horrible to me and let it just be that? For sure. Yeah. I will try. I will just sit here quietly and try to let you just say that. I love it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing your heart. Yeah. And- kind of what's going on with you and your family and just appreciate your time very, very much. Yeah, I enjoyed it. This was not at all horrible. I thought it could be, but <laughs> it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. You're easy to talk to, I, Lucas. Oh, I'm glad. I, <laughs> I think I'm easy to talk to. Um, so I appreciate it very, very much. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the House on Fire podcast. Our prayer is that this podcast activates your home for Jesus. May the light of Christ burn bright through you and yours. Until next time.